Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Anita Norwich. Anita is author of Writing in Tongues, Yiddish Translation in the 20th Century, Discovering Exile, Yiddish, and Jewish Literature in America During the Holocaust, The Homeless Imagination and the Fiction of Israel, Joshua Singer, and editor of Languages of Modern Jewish Cultures, Comparative Perspectives, Jewish Literature and Cultures, Context and Intertext, and Gender and Text in Modern Hebrew and Yiddish Literature. She is Professor Emirata of English and Judaic Studies at the University of Michigan and translates Yiddish literature and teaches lectures and publishes on a range of topics concerning modern Jewish cultures, Yiddish language and literature, Jewish American literature, and Holocaust literature. Anita's latest work is a recently published A Jewish Refugee in New York by Kadia Moldovsky, translated by Anita Norwich. Welcome. Thank you. So lovely to have you in the studio. Very nice to be here always. And so great to have you around the center. You're teaching two different programs, yes? Well, I'm teaching one here at the center, uh, the Great Jewish Books Program with uh, day school teachers. And then I'm also teaching uh, a literature course at YIVO in New York. So we've caught you at a very busy time. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit before we get started uh, just about about Molodovsky, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. That's right. Okay. Um, she's complex, and if I may, could we say that she was sort of at the forefront of feminism? Um, actually, there are lots of women who are at the forefront of feminism <laughs> whom we have not yet begun to discuss in, in any real detail. She would certainly fit into the category. Um, she uh, was from, she was very parapet, like most Yiddish writers. She was both a modern writer and a peripatetic writer and a multilingual writer. She knew uh, Polish, Russian, German, Hebrew, Yiddish, um, uh, and there's correspondence in all of these languages and more, uh, and writings as well. Um, She came to the United States from Poland, having done a lot of traveling and training as a teacher in Eastern Europe, both in in, uh, Hebrew and in Yiddish schools. She came to the US uh, already as an established writer uh, at, in 1935, uh, it took another three years for her husband to get permission to come to the U.S. Um, and uh, she was, in addition to a teacher and a poet um, and a children's poet, she was an editor of what at the time was, was I think, the most significant um, uh, cultural publication, uh, certainly the only one to be edited by a woman, a journal called Svive. Um, environment or surroundings. Um, and uh, I learned later, later than I knew that she was a poet and an editor, that she had also written um, novels. Well, at the time I knew that she'd written one novel, the one that I just translated. And it turns out that there are two more in the um, archives, in her archives in New York, and um, another one that she wrote about Israel years later. You recently found some, um, well, doing research at Evo, you made an amazing find, yes? Well, I don't know that, I, I don't know well, if it was amazing, you know, it's one of these Columbus Discovered America finds, <laughs> right? It, it was there, and that's what's so remarkable, both about the novels and about doing Yiddish uh, research. Um, uh, when I was looking to write the introduction of this uh, translation, I wanted to, you know, look at more of her stuff, and I went to the archives uh, at Evo. And um, uh, there, there were 
I mean, I won't tell you the whole story because it's so convoluted, I can't even keep it straight myself. But I was looking for some of her notebooks in which she was learning English, in which Molodovsky herself was learning English. And when you turn the pages of those notebooks, there are clippings from something. And it turns out that it's a novel. It's a complete novel that was published um, uh, in the Morgen Journal, a, a Yiddish newspaper at the time, uh, in 48. Um, and it's all there. And it was, I think she cut it out uh, in order to have it published as a book. And then she went to Israel, and it never got published as a book, but it was sitting there. And then I thought, let's do a deep dive and see if there's more. And there was another novel that had been written after uh, From Lublin Biz New York, From Lublin to New York, this, this novel that I translated. There was another one that was written in 44-ish, um, which appeared in first in Svive, until Sviva, her journal, until Sviva went belly up, and then it moved um, uh, to another publication, a monthly, and there were chapters there, and then there were other chapters in handwriting, six chapters in handwriting, in yet another folder in the archive. And I'm sure, I mean, I believe uh, that it is an unfinished novel. She was having trouble with her, she had surgery on her hand, it, it's, it's messy, um, and it doesn't really end, it just stops. So I have one quick question, and then I'm going to ask you sort of what drew you to this particular okay. um, book. She wrote in a number of different languages. Did she write differently in the different languages, or was she more She was mostly home? a Yiddish writer, yeah, okay. in fact. I mean, okay. she, she knew Hebrew. She wrote letters in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, as I said, there's correspondence in these other languages. But Yiddish was her main language. So literary work was... In Yiddish. Her literary yeah. work yeah. was in Yiddish. So tell me a little bit about what drew you to this. And I will also say that a Jewish refugee in New York, it's 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 stunning. It's just I I sat down and then I couldn't honestly put it down. Um, Molodovsky thanks you. <laughs> um, and and she should thank you too for a beautiful translation. Um, I mean it just it reads so beautifully and it's so rich. So thank tell you. me what drew you to it. Well, when I was writing um, the book Discovering Exile, um, I was trying to read whatever I could get my hands on that was written in the U.S. during the war years. Um, and I stumbled across this book, uh, the, 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 which I had never heard of, which is, you know, not surprising in Yiddish. Um, and uh, it was always in the back of my mind. I didn't do anything with it as I finished this critical work on um, and then I start on, on uh, Yiddish and Jewish-American literature during the war. And then I started to do this translation, but I, you know, I, was, I was at Michigan. I was in the middle of an academic career where translation didn't yet, I, I don't like this language, but count. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I put it down, and I went on to write about translation. And you know, it, it's like those who can do, those who can't teach. I felt like that about you know those who who can translate those who can't theorize about translation. I wanted to try my hand at it. I'd always done some translating, but this book had always sort of stuck in the back of my mind because it's a novel written by a woman. A woman, and there are so few novels we know by women. Although there are many there, as it turns out, um, not surprisingly. Uh, and it, she's an important woman, and I thought it should be out there. How hard was it to find her voice? That's a that's a hard question. Um, it, it it it's not just her voice. The novel 
I mean, it, it's how she found the voice of a 20-year-old girl who was learning English and was a refugee and obsessed with what was going on in Europe and trying to assimilate into the United States. It was sort of that voice that she found that I, I mean, I had, as all translators do, I had multiple versions of this mm -hmm. um, until it felt like, you know, close enough to be right. Um, because there was this, there's this balance that all translators face. Um, it, I, I needed to convey that she was a 20-year-old, not an intellectual, not an academic, not a writer herself, that is the character, Rivka Zilberg. Um, and yet I needed to make it uh, both accessible and appealing to an English reading audience. So that took a long time. Well, the opening sentence just totally had me. I was like, okay, I'm not putting this down. I mean, it's a simple sentence, but it's just, it feels as though, well, I'm going to ask you two questions. Sorry, I go back and forth here. Is it at all autobiographical? This is one of my pet one of my pet themes, or pet peeves, I should say. Um, women's literature is often understood as autobiographical because women don't have the broader expanse that you know political and sociological knowledge would convey, um, and they write about the self, and uh, they write memoirs or memoiristic literatures. And uh, I've been asked this a lot about this book, how much of this is autobiographical. This is not an autobiography. She came, Moldovsky herself came when she was in her early 40s. She was already a very well-established writer. Um, it's autobiographical uh, in the sense that all literature is autobiographical. It comes from something within the writer. And it, what is, what, what, I, what I was looking for in the archives that led me to these other two novels um, was her process of learning English. Right? Oh, so in that sense, it is autobiographical mm -hmm. in, in that in the same way that every immigrant has the same autobiographical story. What do I hear when I hear somebody saying she? What does that mean? It does, are they talking about me? Or are they talking about my cousin? Are they talking about my aunt? Who's the she? What's a she? It's beautifully threaded through this, by the way. Thank you. The way Thank you, you introduce it. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. Well, that was, that was the other thing, because the, the, um, in Yiddish, Molodovsky transliterates English words so that she is Shin Yud, for example, right? She. Um, but it's far, it's, it, it, it conveys the sense of foreignness. And if I translate it back into English, where's the foreignness, right? And I, I, I needed the process of learning a language and getting it word by word and then putting meaning into it. Um, so, so she, I mean, this was an easy one. She, I, I transliterated back into English as S-H-E-E. -E because the reader can understand that, mm -hmm. and I italicized it, because the reader recognizes that it's not, it's not intimate, it's not one's language, it's, a foreign, it's some foreign thing that's creeping in. And, and in the places that it appears, it appears, if I may, seamlessly. And it does give you, um, it just makes so much sense. It puts it in a context that feels so real. Um, the other thing that fascinated me in this is, it felt as you as though I was in Rivka's head. Um, well, this is written in the form of a diary. Yeah. So, Molodovsky is is inside this character's head. Um, and and just all of the different encounters um, are so interesting. I mean, she's sort of straddling the old world, the new world, 
she's young. She's trying to interpret all of this. It, it, I mean, I had this, such a sense of aloneness. I'm, you know, I'm somebody who gravitates towards home, and this was just like, oh, I can't even imagine being just deposited into this. Deposited is a good. She's sort of parachuted in almost, and and she's in a family that as she comes to her aunt and uncle and cousins in New York, which is already an unusual experience. Um, so she's living with family, but completely alienated from them. Uh, they're already Americanized. They're already Americanized in a big way, and she just doesn't understand it. And one of the things that fascinated me about the book that drew me to it was this combination of, I wrote about this in the introduction, but this combination of a character who's really, you know, she, she's worried about her shoes, and do they match my dress, and why is my cousin better dressed, and she flirts with her cousin's fiancé. I mean, it, it, you know, there's some problematic stuff going on there. And at the same time, she knows that her mother was killed in the bombings in, in Lublin. She has no idea where her father was, is, and learns that he's living in the cow's barn. She can't. She doesn't know what happened to her brother. Uh, her niece is, has gone blind. She because of the war, she knows yeah. all of these things, and yet she has to find a way to live in this in this world, and that back and forth really fascinated me. And it also it it raised the question of um, empathy and and sympathetic understanding. Like, let's say you don't like this character. I mean, she's not a lovable character. She's a fascinating character and a deep character, but. You know, let's say you read this and you you focus on the shoes and the flirting and the you know movies and the, the, the that stuff. You can't help but feel empathetic. And what does it mean to feel that to a character that you don't necessarily admire? Which I thought was an interesting. You know, do you have to make right. do you have to make Holocaust survivors or do you have to make refugees or do you have to make immigrants into heroes in order to sympathize with them. She's a person. She's a person. She's, she's a, a person who has That's to, right. and she has to navigate right. Right. all of these situations. And I think she's also emblematic of, it really just does put the reader within these different places. Right. Um, the movie, the, I mean, the day that she gets a postcard from her fiancé who is in Palestine, and and she has nobody there. She has nobody providing her support. The people that she's living with are trying to assimilate. And, they and have assimilated. They, yeah, okay, that's, yes, a better way of, yes, acknowledging that, yes, they've, they're already there. And all of this is alien, and and yet she's she's trying to live in both worlds, and it's, it's got to be really hard. It's, it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, there's my first introduction to Kadya Molodovsky was when I first started here at the Yiddish Book Center. Um, Arnold Chekhov's photo of her in the wing chair, yeah. late, late in life. Yeah, and she's she's small of stature, uh -huh. and she's in this wing chair blowing smoke it's from the little, cigarette, yeah. and she's looking and she's focusing somewhere, but it, you don't know that she's focused on one particular person or if the focus is in her head and her eyes are just staring ahead. And there's such a sense of of presence and thoughtfulness and almost like I just, she's comfortable with who she is and yet she's... There's a self-containment yeah. in that photo, isn't there? Yeah. And, and it feels as though that some of that comes out in this character in a way. And I guess when I ask the question about 
sort of, you know, feminism, and, and I always hate to go into, I, I will acknowledge that, I think that that's, it's, it's hard, it's hard territory well, sometimes. It's an, it's an anachronistic term yeah, for what you, okay. but, but not an incorrect one. But she has to, she has to navigate in all of these worlds, and she is in some ways able to see herself as a person who can belong in different situations, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm going if, if this is going to make sense, but but she has that sort of the, the way that she has to persevere is to have enough of sort of a sense of self that she can draw from to navigate all of these situations. And I feel as though there's sort of a continuity. I think of Grace Paley as the next generation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, giving voice to what it's like to be again in the modern world, and yet you know. Haley deals with immigrant parents and, and, and what that's like. And so finding finding who you are as a woman um, or as a person um, who is straddling these worlds came out in this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, is, I'm glad. Uh, I was hoping like it would. It, oh, okay. I was hoping it would. No, I mean, it, and, and it's, it's, it's both the refugee experience. I mean, refugee is obviously a loaded word, and it's getting more and more loaded mm-hmm. now, today. Um, uh, but as a refugee, which is what she is, or, or as an immigrant, which is what she also is, or as an emigre, which is what she also is, and how do you straddle that? I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't enter into the United States as tabula rasa. You know, you don't start from from nothing. On the other hand, you can't bring all of that with you. How are you supposed to continue uh, or build a life um, uh, given that? Yeah, and and I think that that's. Yeah, so much of what comes out in the struggle. And it is very timely. I mean, I think you, you it's, mentioned it's, not... It's painfully timely. And you, you you mentioned earlier that she might not be the most sympathetic of characters, and yet it allows us all to examine all of the things that we thrust upon an immigrant or a refugee. That was really important to me. I didn't want to sweeten her up. You know, Molodovsky doesn't sweeten mm-hmm. her up. Um it, you have a complex character who is not always angelic, and uh, you know if, if that's if that's the model if your model of an immigrant or somebody who needs help a refugee is that they have to be you know holier than thou, um, then we're done. Well, I think that you could thrust that too on on women. It's like, does she have to be compliant to be okay? Right. She learns all sorts of things about being a woman in America that she doesn't quite understand. Um, when she's, uh, this part really resonated, I mean, not from personal experience, but just from, you know, women's experience. It, when she's looking for a job, she's told, it's really hard to find a job in America. This is in the 40s. I mean, the, the story is placed in 1940. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to find a job in America for a girl it's much easier to find a husband. Or she learns that the way to attract men, she goes to the movies. Who knows about movies? She goes to the movies, and she learns that the way to attract men is to flirt and lie. And she can't, you know, that can't be right. That just can't be right. So what do you do with this representation of things um, and and your own sense of, you know, how to be in the world? And that And that's where I think she finds that reservoir within her. And then it's interesting because... It keeps coming, you know, she does mention throughout, and my mother died. And my mother was, you know... That, uh, there's every single time in the Yiddish, there's a lot of repetition in the Yiddish, mm-hmm. some of which I had to cut out, because 
it was also serialized and it wasn't, uh, I think, properly edited. Nonetheless, um, I had to cut some of that out. But every single time that she mentions her mother uh, in in her diary, um, uh, she adds the, the Yiddish expression, uh, some version of either Aleya uh, Shalom, may she rest in peace, or something similar um, to acknowledge well, both to acknowledge her death and also her connection to that Jewish world, mm-hmm. right? It's not just my mother died, but my mother, Ali Shalom, right, is no, you know, used to say, right? Yeah, and there's, yeah, I think that tug of war with her, with right. what would my mother? I need my mother here. My mother's not here. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I'm just, and you mentioned the shoes. The pocketbook. The pocketbook. And then I went back to the photo, and I thought, wait a minute, I know in that photo she's carrying carrying the pocketbook. And I found that fascinating. It's not just a pocketbook. It's that there's a pocketbook has to match the hat, which has to match the shoes, which has to be a different color than the, right? I mean, what what, it has to match the same color. What's going on with all these pocketbooks? And everything is contained in the pocketbook. Well, that's what, that was the other thing. It's like, and what do you put in the pocketbook? You pull out everything you could possibly need. It, right. Um, so there, there's a, excuse the expression, there's a lot to unpack in here. There's a lot to yeah. unpack in here. Um, I wonder if you can, you know, sort of talk a little bit about um, sort of who she is maybe through the writing. We've talked a little bit about that. And she who? Uh, she, uh, 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 I was going to ask you first, Molodovsky, um, and how does this relate to her other writing and also the fact that this was serialized and let's yes. talk a little bit about that so originally it came out it daily. came out uh, daily except for Shabbos when Mokojanal didn't publish uh, um, over a period of the, the several months um, uh, and uh, Yiddish literature was serialized I mean that's the nature of Yiddish publication uh, almost exclusively not entirely exclusively but that's how how literature happened, um, uh, and people read it in that way. So it also gives a, a a different sense. You know, you can sit down and read this book in one one sitting. Well, how do you how how would it feel if you were reading it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And sometimes the the um, uh, the the sections the the mm-hmm. that were printed each day didn't necessarily follow, you know, some of these entries, are, some of these uh, diary entries are much longer, so they were caught in the middle, um, or they're short, and so you have two and a half of them on, on, in one day. So they're, you know, I, it, it's hard to, to reproduce what that would have felt like. I don't think I, I, I did reproduce it, but I, then again, I don't think she did in the book either. And when I said I read it in one day, it's mostly because it just compels you. You, you want to go on this journey with her. Um, you want to figure out what's going on. Um, and also, I thought your introduction, which, if I may, was just totally brilliant. And um, <laughs> I, I, I know that probably sounds funny to say on the, on the air. Um, but you also mentioned that, you know, in that this was serialized. It's running alongside. Yes. I, I, speak to that a bit. Well, one, it, it's running... I, I wanted to convey several kinds of time. 
um, in the introduction. I, you know, there's only so much you can do with the book itself, obviously, but I wanted to convey that in the introduction. And what struck me, and this, this struck me when I was writing Discovering Exile, it, it wasn't a new discovery here, but I needed to convey it somehow, is that you're reading literary texts, which may or may not have to do with, with what's going on. I mean, this has mm-hmm. to do with what's going on, but there's lots in the papers that isn't. And on the front page is news of the war as it's happening. And it's accurate. You know, these many have died. This has been bombed. Um, it's getting worse. It's even worse. So when she was writing this, there were one set of events that were happening. When it came out in 42, we we're already in the death camp stage. So that when you read it as a book in 42, it's a different experience than reading it as a serialized uh, version in 41, just a year earlier. You know things are horrible, but now you're getting news on the newspaper. Um, I mean, in the newspaper of, of uh, this establishment of death camps. And then I'm translating it, you know, many years later, you know, the, the gen- a couple of generations later. Um, and before I let you go, will you just sort of talk about Moldovsky in terms of the audience she did or didn't enjoy during her lifetime and the reception to her work? The reception to her work was very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she, um, she was well. She was incredibly popular in uh, Israel. She was translated by some of the best uh, Hebrew poets um, uh, at at the time, and she knew it. As I said, she knew Hebrew well. She was taught in the uh, Israeli schools. I mean, kids of a certain generation or people of a certain generation um, knew her poetry and either sang it or recited it or but most of them and I've met people like this when I said I was translating Kaja Molodovsky and they you know compliment me on my Hebrew and I say no this is a Yiddish book they're they don't they didn't know she wrote in Yiddish she was so absorbed in but within the Yiddish world she was also very very um, uh, well known and uh, and respected well the book a Jewish refugee in New York a novel by Kadya Molodovsky, translated by Anita Norwich. Uh, it's available through shop.yiddishbookcenter.org, as well as anywhere you can find it on the web or in bookstores. And I recommend you go out and get one copy for yourself and one for your friends, because it's really a tremendous work. And thank you for thank you. translating it for those of us who couldn't read it. And I hope you're working on something Uh, several, but yes, thank you very much. Um, Thank you, and uh, we look forward to visiting with you again soon. Good. Thank you. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. (laughs) 